They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me as always, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson, who has confirmed to us after jetting back from uh, the county ground to Langport that he is bloody knackered after doing a full, <laughs> a full uninterrupted stint on the radio as well today. So, yeah, lost to Surrey today by three wickets in the county championship. Um... For my money, that game was not lost on the fir- the batting performance on the first innings, but there were a f- there were a few iffy shots in there and non shots, and then a few iffy bits of cricket throughout the game that were really unforced errors. And I suppose, in a way, we've we've contributed to our own downfall again, given how close we took it in that final evening and another forty fifty runs. Um. Who knows where that game would have ended up? Jamie Overton, of course, being being there at the end, as was uh, written in the stars. Um, I think all three of us, apart from Steve, were there for for some bits of the game. So we'll start with you then, Steve. How did you how did you see things uh, from afar? I I felt, and I said it on the blog, that I thought we were given a lesson in how to play Championship cricket over the first couple of days. I'm don't think we can use the excuse of the the just Davy Craig Overton absence as being anything that we can hang a hat on. I thought we batted again brainlessly on the first day. And on the third day, every time we seem to be getting, and I thought it, and then Anthony said it when he came back on commentary yesterday, just when you sort of thought, oh, we might be a bit of hope here. Maybe Lewis Goldsworth is going to bat long. Maybe this is going to happen. Then, you know, Banton gets gets abled down the leg side and then Tom runs himself out, which, you know, is a complete brain, you know what. Um, and to me, a lot of it is, I, I just think they are mentally scrambled and that dressing room is scrambled. And, you know, they batted like, they had to bat in a timeless test on the first day. There was no, there was supine, I think would be the word. Anthony would probably lose. And then they came out the second innings to be kind, more proactive, but maybe a little too proactive at times. You know, it's all very well to run aggressively, but running two in that situation. And, you know, Tom Banton shaped up well, gets himself out. Tom Abel's going well, and you think, oh, he's going to get another 100 against Surrey runs himself out. Steve Davis makes his now contractually obliged pretty 20 and gets out. You know, Lewis Goldsworthy got, you know, I'm the big, big chairman of the Lewis Goldsworthy fan club and I thought he did really well. That was a tough 60-odd he made. That would be worth a lot more elsewhere. Well, guts it out first innings, and then, first innings as well. After yeah, a few little yeah, scares against Jamie. The first innings, Ian, he... First innings, he was almost shotless the second innings he was you know bad balls were getting dispatched and that that to me was the difference um i i can't say anything positive about marchin yet again he's come in and not really on a pitch that jamie overton made look like old trafford against close and edrich in 1976 
he made it look like a feather bed again. And in fairness, I still don't think Lewis, Gold, uh, Lewis Gregory's bowling fit. So, you know, it was left to Siddle and Casey Aldridge. And wow, they performed magnificently. So just, we're in a relegation fight. We've got to deal with it. But then on the other hand, I see on social media tonight, you know, give Casey Aldridge the keys to the town. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, number one, if you've been watching the seconds or reading Mike's seconds watch on the blog, you'll know that he's had a pretty good season. But that's been mainly with the bat. But we all know he's principally, he's, we think he's going to be a bowler of the bats. And today, fair play to the guy. You know, he looked the part of the guy who was a big, big, component of the England under-19s a couple of seasons ago. So there is hope there. But I think the last point, Ian, is I think the problem is, you know, if if Lewis Goldsworthy was batting at five and he had Hildreth at four and Davis at six and both of those were playing to their career levels, Lewis Goldsworthy would have time to play himself in and, and work his way into the side without a huge amount of pressure. He now finds himself coming in at five in crisis situations with, you know, Jamie Overton pouring the ground and smelling blood. And that's really hard for him to, to make his way. And we've got too many of these youngsters, as Anthony and Mark Church were saying on comms, you know, looking at the number of first-class games these kids have played. It's really, really tough. And then it puts pressure on the more experienced players as well. So it's just, if I can use the phrase, it's a complete bugger's muddle as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't... <laughs> to me, reflect terribly well on the, the structure within the club and the coaching strategy. And the last thing I'll say, if anyone tells me that they've taken any learnings from this game, I'm going to walk out and, and throw them off the floodlight because we've had learnings from every single game and we haven't learned the damn learnings and I'm pig sick of it. Well, the club haven't posted your post-match uh, on social media yet, Anthony, so can you give us an exclusive? Who, were you, who, were you, uh, who did you summon up before the beak? Uh, uh, Lewis Gregory because uh, I wanted to take I think there were more pluses than negatives from this performance so I wanted to, to have a relatively positive interview and Lewis I mean you know he got brilliant brilliant century it was um, and took an absolutely outstanding catch at slip as well and bowled, bowled pretty well um, so I so I did uh, Lewis, and he was he was very disappointing, uh, very very disappointed as you would expect. But I, for myself, I took more encouragement than dismay from that that performance. The first innings batting performance, I agree with Steve, was 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 typical of recent first innings batting performances against the better attacks. As somebody said on Twitter, we only seem to be able to score big first innings runs against uh, you know the, the lesser bowling attacks. But I think I, I talked to Lachlan Stevens after the first day, and he was really quite critical of his batsman's performance. He, he didn't say super, and he, he did use the word timid, and I thought that was that was about right. Um, you know, they weren't prepared to take the Surrey bowlers on; they allowed the bowlers to dictate terms. And that changed in the second innings, I think, because Lachlan told them to go out and play their natural games. So, which led to Tom Lamanby, who can't play the hook to save his life, uh, the pull to save his life, getting, getting a, a top edge, and to Ben Green going out, going after a um, ball that miles outside the off. No, that was that was first innings, though. He got a really good nut in second innings. He did, he did, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but, um, um, but it also meant that Lewis Goldsworth, he was much more positive. 
in the second innings than he had been uh, in the first innings. Tom Banton looked a much better player in the in the second innings. You know, it was a casual, it was a careless flick down the leg side that got him out. Tom Abel, well, you know, he he reckons he's the quickest just about in the country, and he, and he didn't beat the throw, but he was looking a good nick as well. And it's good to see Lewis uh, Gregory back in form. So, and and Casey Aldridge to me today was a revelation. Um, I've been saying about Casey Aldridge is he looks good. He's got a nice action. He's you know tall chap. Hits the, hits the pitch hard, but he doesn't have a, a USP, you know, something that sort of sets him apart from uh, other um, medium-fast bowlers, but he bowled a really good length today, and he was getting the ball to, to dart about, and um, I was very, very impressed with him, and I think if he can graft some, you know, that sort of bowling skill onto his undoubted batting talents, which have been revealed for the seconds and so on, then... I think he'll be a real force to be reckoned with in the future. So, yeah, it was disappointing, a uh, disappointing outcome. We lost it in the first innings, but only scoring 180. But overall, as I said, I think there are more pluses than minuses. Yeah, just going back to that that first innings, I rewatched a bit of it because you know your memory can play tricks on you a little bit, Dan. And and we were obviously we were both up there Sunday. I. I I was sat up on the Thatcher's deck, which I think is my new favourite place to watch from. You get a nice chair that someone's left out for you and uh, and a brilliant view. And from memory, it's I, I remember everybody playing and missing virtually every other ball when I was up there because I, I was stood next to a chap and we both had our heads in our hands. It was mainly Banton who was sort of playing and missing. So I re-watched it on the live stream. Um, and just sort of flick, quick, ball, 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 ball. And... What they seemed to be doing first innings, they were leaving really well on sort of the fourth or fifth stump line, and then it went out when it went out another sort of three or four stumps or so to where you're looking at really wide long hop territory. That's where they were having a big yahoo outside the off stump. That's the type of ball that that Abel got out. He was leaving really well, really disciplined, and then that one Jamie Overton dropped that one really short, really wide. Probably the worst ball he bowled in the entire game. Probably the worst ball he's bowled the entire season, and. I think because they they not necessarily got themselves bogged down, but they their eyes just lit up and they went, oh, thank you very much, bing, and and that's what happened to Aves. But um, we were sat side on down watching uh, Jamie Overton bowl in the afternoon, and he was pretty quick. Yeah, <clears throat> it was unbelievable, wasn't it? I mean, it was just classic. Um, you know, the first time that Jamie bowls to Craig, second ball, Craig has to retire out. Um, just sort of adds to the narrative, doesn't it? Um, and then Josh Daly not long later as well. Um, yeah, Jamie was, you know, at his best, wasn't he, um, that day? Um, and we, we didn't really have too many answers to him. We didn't have answers to any of, the, any of the attack, really. I think we just, we got, we were struggling to find that balance, aren't we, between attack and defence? Um, mm-hmm. You know, some, some days, some days we're sort of, okay, we're, you know, like day one, we were trying to dig in and it didn't work. In the second innings, obviously, we would try to be more attacking, and it kind of did work a bit better by the sounds of it. So, we've just got to be able to adapt, adapt better to the match situation in future, um, and yeah, we've got to find that balance because it's clearly not a natural, you know, reining themselves in is not natural for most of the guys in in our lineup, um, and they've got to learn it. And there, there are signs, aren't there? You know, the second innings, we can take a lot of encouragement from. Um, for sure, you know, I, I didn't really, see, I haven't really seen much of much of the uh, remaining days after day one. Um, 
but from what I gather from the second innings, you know, there were there were some good signs. Um, so we've, we've got to just take take that forward and produce a, a proper four-day performance in the next match. You know, the last two days, we've gone toe-to-toe with a really good side and played really mm-hmm. well the last couple of days. So we've got, we've got to just translate, translate that into a four-day performance next time, which is Lancashire itself, I think, which is an extremely difficult match mm-hmm. um, to come up to uh, the next up. Um, but, you know, we've, we've, got to, we've got to be at our best that game. Um, we've just got to translate what we did in the last couple of days into that match take well, I don't want to say take the learnings but uh, lessons you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. lessons is a perfectly good word we've got to re- yeah exactly we've got to remember how we played and do it all again but for longer next time basically I mean something that struck me when um, when I saw the twins side by side out there is Jamie is looking appreciably bigger it's upper body his shoulders are looking a lot broader did did you guys pick up on that because for me, it it almost seems like well, he's he's gone away, he's gone to another county, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's he's got down the gym, presumably on the advice of of somebody, whether it's Daz Vaness or not, I don't know. That's going to be got to be Daz Vaness, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. He's got the you know, he's had the he work with him in Somerset as well. I just think he's just so much happier. He's he just seems really happy in his own skin. You know, um, he could be a bit. Um, Grumpy would be a good word. Sometimes when he was when he was with Somerset, there was always seemed to be something going wrong for him. Whereas with Surrey, you know, he, he he plays with a smile on his face, and he's a much much better cricketer. You know, he's better bowler, he's better bat, batter, he's just as good a good a fielder, and he's a better human being. I think. I think the, the, both of the twins have have matured. But uh, I'd be very surprised if Jamie didn't play for England before the end of this 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 summer with the pace that he showed pace and accuracy as well you know when he was bowling for Somerset we had the pace but at least one ball per over would you know go down the leg side and be nicked away for, for four and if he got pulled for four then he'd respond you know the red mist would come down and, and he'd go he'd go for another six into the holly stand um, and he's he's a much more mature bowler and, and a happier individual and, and credit to Surrey for 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 shaping him uh, in that way, I think you know, Surrey under Alex Stewart are a very very happy, well motivated, well coached team. Um, you know they've got a, a Gareth Batty is is um, coach. You've got Jim Jim Trouton, who's a lovely lovely bloke. It's a shame that Somerset let him go because they didn't ask him if he wanted to stay on, so he assumed they didn't want they didn't want him. <laughs> So yeah, and that's 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 what he told me. He told me that himself. Really nice I guy. I believe it. Yeah, uh, and he's settled in really well at, at Surrey. And the, I think there are all sorts of lessons that we can learn from this game. And, and Lachlan Stevens, the batting coach, said to me on Sunday evening, "Surrey have shown us how to, how to how to bat and how to bowl on this on this pitch." And uh, yeah, and that's absolutely right. Um, but we, you know, we do need to learn from our mistakes. But as a, you know, go back to it again, I thought the second innings with bat and ball was was much more encouraging, and, and they they do seem to, you know, be pulling themselves together. And it was a good gutsy, and fantastic catch by Lewis Gregory, and fan, equally fantastic catch from Tom Abel at second slip. And that, and that was he put down a terrible <laughs> miss as well, which was very unlike Tom Abel. But yeah, that was no, a, that was a dolly as slip catches go. Um, the, thing, the thing is, I, 
I just I was flicking through the other scores and I'm looking Lancashire chased down 329 to win today at Edgbaston. Nobody got above 50 apart from Rob Jones lower down got 66 and Luke Wells 175 not out. You know? mm-hmm. And you look at Hampshire had a Don Bess had them on a bit of string at one stage and were really struggling. Um, and Gubbins and Liam Dawson basically got them over the well, didn't get them over the line, but got them close. And you think, okay, I take I want to take as many positives as possible, guys, but I could not see us winning either of those if we'd have been in the situations of Hampshire and Lancashire, I don't think we'd have won those games. And I think we are leaving ourselves with too much to do. And, you know, it is now, we're into the second half of June now. And people are going to say, I've got a sense of entitlement. I always get accused of it as a Somerset vow. You've got a sense of entitlement. No, I haven't. But I really, I think I've mentally, I've lowered my bar to such a level that a couple of decent days against a good side, despite getting beaten and slipping virtually to the bottom of the table, is okay now. And it just isn't. We've got so many talented players. There is something fundamentally wrong at the heart of this at the moment, and it needs to be addressed. Hmm. Here under for less than... I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I don't, I don't know. I don't... I, I, I think the other thing... We haven't had much luck. I know that's... Just, you know, luck should, should balance out over the season, but it didn't really balance out much in the game against, against Surrey. We're losing two of our top bowlers to concussion injuries and then Roloff and the Merv being seen off along with an LBW and Casey Aldridge yeah, yeah. exactly and, mm-hmm. and, and and then Peter Siddle this morning when he got 42 I mean people on Twitter were saying it would, wouldn't have hit a second set of stunts no. outside no, no there was definitely the worst, worst of the three you know and we're, we're, we're not getting the rub of the green at the moment we're not helping ourselves either but i don't i honestly don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with the setup at uh, at uh, at taunton we've still got lots of talented cricketers coming through and um and they you know they they do genuinely seem a very happy bunch in some sense they get on well together um i think laughlin stevens he needs he needs Stappen Stevens needs to take a bit more of a grip on the on the batting. And I think after that first innings performance against Surrey, he may very well do that. And I thought second Do you think he's up, been sort of having a watching brief and now he's I think so. I think he's, he's got enough he's evidence been, to Yeah, I think so. I think he's he's been biding his time, as any sensible manager stroke coach would do when they come into a new job. Uh, with a team that they're not familiar with at all, just you know, wait and see, and then when you've identified what the issues are, then go in and, and correct them. And I think I think the second innings batting performance was a reflection of that. And he's a, you know he's a really nice guy, and, and he's a straight talker as well. You know, he's not an Andy Hurry. Um, you know, if if they haven't played well, he'll say they haven't played well. If they batted timidly, he'll say they batted timidly. Well, that's what we need, and that's sort of what I'm alluding to, that I hope behind the dressing room doors, the, the three, four coaches, if you include Curbs, Eric, Kerr, and Stevens, Curbs I probably, hope Curbs is probably some... loving this. He's got the safest job in the West Country. Someone's a bowling coach. They're doing the, doing the business week after yeah, week. Yeah, but it, it's, you know, 
we know him as a player. I can't imagine he's backwards and going forwards with an opinion on much in the coaches' meetings or in the team meetings. And that's yeah. what I want to hear, you know. I actually want, you know, let's face facts now. We are going to be heading into September. We've got three tough, the next three are tough games. As you said, Southport is not going to be easy. Not yeah. going to be easy at all. Um, Essex at Chelmsford, uh, you know, God, I hate county championship games at Chelmsford. And Yorkshire, who are, okay, they're lost today, but they are a decent side. And they'll have someone in their side who wants to prove a point again. And then we head into September and, you know, we've got to accept the reality that this is 2017, not 2018, 2019, 2016. And we are, you know, we need a few crossbows and perhaps Angus Fraser getting unhappy with a pitch or something to... And that, that assumes that we're going to stay with the same structure for next season. It which does, I yeah. It's a brave assumption. I fully expect us to go to three conferences next season but the sooner the ecb announce what the format is going to be the fairer it will be on the counties my fear is that they'll say we're going to go for three conferences in 2024 and the the top 12 in 2023 will go into the two potentially championship winning conferences now if we're relegated this season and we find ourselves in the second division next season, and what happens in the second division next season determines whether you're in with a chance of winning the county championship in 2024. That That is the worst-case scenario. Not that, that doesn't imply that I've got any, any lack of faith in Somerset's uh, abilities, but you never know. You never know. We, we want to avoid that... that um, possible scenario at all costs which means that we do need to get out of the relegation zone this season in the county championship regardless of, of whether there's uh, any sort of format change yeah so the current table where we are second from bottom with 61 the good news is the Gloucesters are still 20 points behind us on 41 um north ants are five points ahead but they have got a game in hand um and then we got we're surely better than north, north ants gloucestershire and kent aren't we well, I don't know. We, we, we surely are. We are on paper, but we don't seem to be on grass at the moment. <laughs> we haven't played Kent and North Ants yet, have we? And we played Gloucester once and beat them, so I think we've got to wait and see. But also, we're not helped by only playing Kent and North Ants once each. Indeed. Due to the for, the lopsided format, you play some teams once, some, some teams once, some teams twice. And the fact that the who you play once and who you play twice is based on 2019, which is three years ago, and not based on last season when Kent were a lot worse. I believe that's conspiracy theory number 7,843 that we're up to now. And Dan's email number 2,919 is currently being composed. Well, yeah, if we go on to that, your, your tweet that did the rounds on, on Sunday, Dan... Um, <coughs> Unless we've got anything more about the Surrey game, I'm just trying to, trying to think if there's anything. No, let's else. move on. Let's 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 move on to another incredible, even more miserable topic: the fact that Sunday, the whatever it was, the 12th of June, the final day of Championship cricket at Taunton for the 2022 season. On a weekend. weekend. On a weekend. weekend. Sorry, yes, the final weekend day of cricket for the 2022 season. What a load of old bollocks that is! <laughs> I it's, it's it's the way the schedule is these days. With as we know, there's finals in September, which cause um, championship matches to be played on weekdays, and the three championship matches coming up 
are kind of they're in and around T20s, which are on Friday nights slash Sundays and finals days on a Saturday. And obviously then you've got the 100 starting. It's just the way that things slot in, unfortunately. Um, and the 100, I mean, this has been a problem for a while. In 2019, there were not many weekend days of... Um, I don't think there were any, any, I don't think there were any championship cricket on a weekend. In <laughs> 2019? Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the whole season. I'm talking about the whole season. 2019, oh, right, there was yeah. not many weekend days of championship cricket, home or away, for Somerset. So this has been a problem since before the 100. But like with many things, the 100 makes the problem worse. And That's it makes the title it of this week's podcast. Thank you very much, Dan. <laughs> if, if, you, if you got rid of the 100, you could more easily do a schedule which has more weekend days in all formats. Um, you could have 50 over cricket in April and May, and you could use the bank holidays in late May, uh, early May, and even the Easter weekend. Because currently the 50 over tournament this year, it's a bit of a farce. Somerset have only got two um, weekend matches. Um, there are three weekends. One of them we're not even playing on for some reason. Just about the fact we're playing Sussex to, on the Friday before it. I'm not too sure why that's not on the Sunday. Um, yeah, so the 50 over tournament could have, could be improved. And yeah, then then you just create a load of space for the championship in sort of June, July. In, in an ideal world, if, if you put the blast in the holidays and the one day cup in April slash May, you got June, July to have like eight rounds in a row of county um, mm-hmm. championship matches all on weekends. Sounds yeah. good to me. I mean, so, it's it's the fact that the hundred final is on Saturday the second of September that just seems to knock all the championship games in September yeah. into midweek. Yeah, it's like a domino effect after that, isn't it? Yeah, because the one after yeah. starts on Monday the 5th, and then the next one starts on Monday the 12th, and Tuesday the 20th, and then the final rounds are on Monday the 25th. Uh, you've also got the Royal London final on the 17th of September as well. And the Harry Flint final is relevant as well, but, but I think they keep that away from anything else. <laughs> Would that affect men's cricket? They wouldn't. I, 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 yeah. believe, I yeah, believe they, so. I think they give it. They have historically, did that because the quarterfinal against Knotts in the Blast a few years ago got mm. got moved around and delayed, and then it got rained out on the Sunday. And the reason it was on the Sunday, not like the others had gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, was because the the Hayo Flint final or whatever it was, it might have been a different competition then. Finals day for that was at Hove on the Saturday, and they didn't want a T Twenty quarterfinal to clash with that. So that that has been a thing that they've tried to keep sacrosanct that, that as well. Been, that would have been for broadcasting, though, wouldn't it? Because they they, I think the Kia Super League is the one you're talking about when they have the finals there yes. over, and then so if Sky are broadcasting that, they can't then broadcast a, a T20 as a T20 quarter final mm. as well. But I would imagine that if they they could if they were if they're televising it, I'm not sure they are. They would still televise it, and then the championship would go on merrily in the background just just on the live streams etc 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 but yet again the hundred has uh, ruined it for everybody well uh, yeah partly but as i said it was a problem before the hundred so it's not the hundred that's caused it the hundred's just sort of made it harder to it's made solve it, kind of thing. i mean it, last or the in years gone by it was when um t20 finals day was in september and then you, yeah. had, you had to have that on a Saturday by itself, which then knocked on. That meant you could only have the championship game then on the Monday or the Tuesday, and then that just knocked on and knocked on and knocked on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they could quite conceive it. They could quite easily have moved, or they could have just had a finals day. Have a finals day on the Friday. See how many mm. people turn up to it then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear, right, should we talk about happier times? And the greatest yes, player please. is the greatest player in the world, shoving it up the Gloucesters last whatever day it was. Thursday? Was it Thursday? <laughs> I can't remember now. It seems, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, but <laughs> in that rain affected game up at Bristol, Somerset were absolutely dead and buried, needed about well, they need about eighty or five overs or something like that with Josh Davy and <laughs> Roloff van der Merwe together, and boy, did he uh, did he come to the party, as Andy Flower used to say, forty eight or fifteen balls. Has there ever been a more glorious innings apart from the one he played against Surrey back in the day? No, it was a great knock. And they knocked off the last 57 runs from 21 balls. They being Roller Fandemer with you know, some, some assistance from the other end. But I did say, I, I said when Ben Green was out, I think that's probably it. That's the end of Somerset Hope. But then I'd will say in a I much said, more depressed tone, Gibbo. I, I did, but I also said... I hope said, I was wrong about to get the belt and shoelaces off you. There is hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. And that's how it... That's you know what how what it I thought the turning point was, and this is a weird thing, how things get in your mind. Josh Davies' first ball was a, a leg stump, full toss, half volley. It was hard to tell from the stream. And he clipped it absolutely beautifully through mid-wicket for four, and it split two fielders. And it's re- it, that almost I felt supercharged me. And I wonder if it had that Roloff was like, "Oh, come on, you know, you can you get that sometimes when you're batting, and the guy at the other end does something like that." But it was just the ease with you know we all say Josh Davy can bat properly, and it was a proper. And Anthony was talking on the stream today about. Um, you know, Viv Richards and that and the dad Viv didn't play T20 cricket. But that's the sort of shot Viv would have played in T20 cricket. And that's really high praise coming from me. It was just the most beautiful shot. And that was the the start of it. But I think the other thing was, Gloucester, Gloucester's field has just seemed to, I don't say fall apart, but there was almost, once Roloff got into it, there was almost an inevitability about it, which is bonkers, really. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, just, that, that's what he does, isn't it? He, he seems to, when he takes hold of a game like that, like the Surrey game you mentioned, Ian, he has this force of personality that it just affects everyone. You know, spectators, partner, bowlers, fielders from the other side. It's just wonderful. Believe, Absolutely wonderful. I believe the technical term for it is Roloff van der Merwe doing Roloff van der Merwe things. <laughs> but it, well, yeah. Well, I pay... I paid him the greatest tribute possible because we got a new barbecue last week and much to my delight it has a, it's got Wi-Fi and it has an app and when I set it up on Friday afternoon you had to give it a nickname so you'll be delighted to know Ian that our barbecue is now called Roloff <laughs> Why does the barbecue need an app? Well, um, because so you can go wrong Anthony so there's one more oh, oh, I, did, I did the roll on roll off this afternoon <laughs> no it's 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 um it's more of a, an outdoor grill and oven than a barbecue and you can cook things overnight on it and all kinds of things you've got but, a commando you've got a commando haven't you it's no it's a traeger all right i've got a commando it's wonderful absolutely i cook christmas dinner on it well that's that's the plan up here but the best thing is ian you're cooking and your phone pings and it says Roloff has now reached optimum temperature. Yeah. Or Roloff, Roloff is in startup cycle. It's just absolute heaven. So sorry, Dan. Roloff is giving out LBW. If, Sorry, Dan. We've got a new title for the podcast. 
roll off home. <laughs> Most likely it's available and wants to come and, and officially open the barbecue at Somerset North Towers. Well, he's got he to is open. more than welcome. He's got to officially come and open his pavilion first. So um, I'm Bagsy and him. Brian Rose still hasn't come and done his bar. Um, oh, speaking <laughs> of Brian Rose, uh, his uh, outgoing president, we were vi- we were, we were, we had the uh, the presence of President Elect, didn't we, Dan? On on yeah. Sunday, Pete Wallace got down and, and said hello. Um, good to, good to catch up, Pete. I'm sure I'm sure you're uh, you're listening. Um, so yeah, please do uh, please do vote for Pete on the uh, on your membership ballots, uh, which uh, have got to be in in a, in a week or so. They're having a vote. They're having a vote on it. I think it's more of a confirmation vote. Well, I was going to say, how vulgar. I mean, the presidents used to be anointed. Anointed? Yeah, yeah. It was all all done behind closed doors, and, and, you know, the the committee and the chairman, whoever, decided he was going to be chairman, and that was that. And so it should be with Peter Wanless. He should be president. And um, end of it. Do we have to... I I forgot. I just clicked... There was a... it, there was a coup against Brian Rose the first time Brian was invited to, to come to the AGM in order to be elected as president with a f- sort of for- formality and an unnamed person stood against him and Brian wasn't elected and Brian Rose was very, very badly hurt by that, yeah. uh, having been invited to become to, come along and be elected president. And he wasn't. And it was with him the second time around to take it up. How long ago was this? So, uh, it was the time before Brian Rose was elected president, so it was about ten years ago. Oh, okay. I'm not naming names. But I'm trying to think of the uh, oh, when they talk about you talk about it in the, in Rosie, don't you? Where they get uh, wasn't Roy Kerslake? I'll tell you that. There's an, there's, an, there's an EGM in a barn somewhere. I'm gonna have to read it again. This is all to do with the Roebuck. Um, it used to Richard be at the um, Shepton Manor showground, didn't it? That that's was the what famous, I'm thinking of. That was the EGM. That was, but that's years and years that and years the, ago. That was yeah, the that was the, the mid-80s. <laughs> yeah. 1986. Can I just say, to finish off on the barbecue, Chris Lintot of this parish and I were exchanging tweets and I said to him, I suggested that my barbecue's probably got more computing power than the Apollo moonshots. And so... I think he was, he was, even Chris was significantly <laughs> impressed with that. So, yeah, I think we all, I think we all are. There's a brilliant, <laughs> there's a brilliant Twitter account you can follow. I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's basically all about these Wi-Fi enabled home devices like fridges and, and washing, and just screenshots of them going wrong. It, things that in the old days, <laughs> I'm, sure I'm, I'm bloody 42, I'm showing sure my age now, that you would just press a button and they turn on and, and, you know, they're just, pictures of them go this requires an update downloading update blah 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 you're like you're a fucking kettle just turn it on i'll uh, i'll dig that one out and, and retweet it if you don't want to send it that. to that me yeah. fun. uh well that's right uh ken i've 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 completely forgotten what happened in the kent game i can remember jack leaning stepping on the rope and being a bit grumpy about it and that's pretty much it can anyone else enlighten me because i've totally forgotten i've i have missed two t20 games live this year Sussex and Kent for family commitments or other reasons so I, I think that Ben Warren and Spencer need to make sure that my domestic get in touch and make sure my domestic arrangements don't clash with the remaining games because that's obviously game. the reason we've lost two games I think you'll find that game was lost reason. in two overs game was lost in two overs 18th and 19th 
Oh yeah, so, uh, we got, yeah, we got green, which went for forty-eight. Yeah, we got fourth around at the end, didn't we? If we'd been chasing one hundred and eighty, it would have been a cakewalk. But over two hundred, the pressure on the batsmen is such that they feel they have to go hard right from the outset, and the outcome was inevitable. Well, so, here, yeah, here it was just. Well, we haven't got us. We still haven't got our death bowling sorted out. Hmm. Josh Davy is not a death bowler. No. Lined up by by the uh, by the batsman, it should be Lewis Gregory who who does that, as he did against Gloucestershire Bristol last year, where he was absolutely brilliant at the death. He's got the experience, he's got the skill, he's got the guts, the sheer guts to do it, and he should be employed to to do it. Maybe, maybe alongside Martin Delanger, who can be a fantastic death bowler on on it on his day, but you don't want Josh Davy and Ben Green bowling the. 18th and 19th over. It was a, you know, the game was lost there and then. Two overs gone. Well, thinking about that, the Glamorgan game. What do we? What were we? 174, two or three was it? After mm. about 14 overs, chase that down, and we started off nice and calm, nice and easy. <laughs> we're only chasing 170. And then all of a sudden, bang! Will Smead goes bananas. The momentum builds, and we ended up. With six overs to go, we could have got two twenty, two thirty. Well, that's the thought... difference between chasing one hundred and seventy and chasing t- over two hundred. Yeah, that's what I mean. Why haven't they taken the learnings from that? <laughs> to say you know, but why isn't why aren't they going? Look, this is Taunton. It's tiny. Okay. Just knock it round, play a natural game for the first ten overs. If we've got wickets in hand, you can chase. You could chase twelve and over for the last ten, potentially. You can but you're up against psychology, though. You know, when when you know you've got to go at ten at ten and over right from right from the start, and you start falling behind, and you see the thing on the scoreboard going up to 11, 12, 13, 14. Doesn't matter how many wickets you've got in hand, you know you've got to go hard. Whereas if it's 170 or 180, you know that one boundary and over, you know, and some good running between the wickets will keep you keep you up with the rate. And then for the last five overs, when you've got to go at 13 runs and over, no problem if you've got wickets wickets in hand. But to go, you know, if you let it let it get up to above 10 right from the start, the scoreboard pressure is immense. Just Ian, to someone of my age and generation, T20 is still a game which. This, this concept of what Anthony's just said, if you need 13 and over for the last five overs, because, you know, my, my go-to was the John Player League. That was a Sunday league, and you'd go along, and 200 in 40 overs at Taunton was a really good score back in those days. But then what would happen is you'd start off, and you my dad had this, he loved filling in, he used to have boxes at the bottom of the school card and filling the score at the end of the over, so he was constantly looking at all, you know, knots were five ahead of us after the next over we need a really big over but then viv would viv or both of them or whoever would take seven eight nine off and over and you were suddenly back in the game and the the psychology is so different now because as anthony says you you have an over where you only score seven heaven forbid and you've dropped three or four behind the asking rate you have a couple of overs like that and the rate is up to 12 and a half and I think because of the mindset of Bantons and Smeeds and Russos, which we've seen work brilliantly, it's the flip side of this. They suddenly go, right, right, I'm going to have a big over this over. 
And you've got to allow the fact that the opposition bowlers actually bowl quite well. In, you know, I, this sticks in my throat dreadfully, but from what I've heard and watched back, etc., the Kent bowlers actually bowl quite well, as did Sussex the previous week. And, you know, the Morgan's bowlers, let's be honest, didn't bowl particularly well. They did no, sort they of didn't. feed Sneed and Rousseau quite regularly. You know, praise the Lord for Dan Douthway mm-hmm. in that game and that sort of thing. But it, it's a completely different mindset. And I think the players, it, it's such a huge difference. There's 170 to 190 to 200. Mm. That it, it's just bizarre. And I think in five, six years' time, you'll see that 230 might be the norm at Taunton. And, you you know, we'll be saying, oh, only chased, we only had to chase 200 today. That was fine. That was a walk in the park. I think that's mm-hmm. the way it's going. I I really hope not, because the the essence of cricket is a it's a battle between bat and ball, and if if you know if if a batting side is going to get over two hundred and thirty, you know it means that the bowlers are being played out of the game, and that's not. I agree, I agree, and and you go back to the baseball analogy if they're almost like pitching for batting practice for the batsmen to just hit it out the ground all the time. So our next T20 game is uh, Friday night against the Gloucesters. Yeah. No Overton or Davy. No Overton or Davy, who are on uh, yeah concussion uh, concussion protocol. I think that's seven days, isn't it? So they'll be out. Yeah, Jason, Jason Kirk Sunday. Jason Kirk confirmed to me that they won't be available for Friday, but they should be for Sunday. Friday, so Sunday. Yeah, because it's the seventh Friday, day, Saturday, under the protocol. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, Friday and then Sunday, which is down at the Cloud FM County Ground. Oh, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> I'll be there as well. <laughs> oh, you'll be there, Andy, you've, got some, love the box. Yeah. Well, you've yes. got some lovely trips coming up, haven't you? Because then you've got to battle your way to the Oval in the way. Mm-hmm. But drive all the way to Blooming Oval, yeah. How old is he? Seven o'clock start. You'll have good yeah. company in Mark Church. Is that you and Don Topley down at down at Essex? <laughs> no, it's me and Mark Davis because Radio oh. Essex want to do, do like to do their own thing. They don't they don't want any want any objectivity or alternative view entry into their. Half a minute ago, you were saying that the BBC is all about impartiality. <laughs> well, so it should be. I, I much prefer doing shared commentary well, of course you do i mean as, as today with 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 mark church and I mean, as it will be on tuesday at, at the oval with mark church as hard as as hard as you can try as, uh, as, well as, as, hard as you can try and as well as you can prepare you're never going to have as much knowledge about essex players and form and that yeah, sort of exactly. thing as, as the essex commentators so <laughs> see don topley was moaning on twitter about our live stream today Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh it's too biased. It's this, it's that. I just replied and told him. <laughs> Don Topley was <laughs> saying that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he worryingly pays far too much attention to all things Somerset. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, he's, he's very keen. Look, he's very keen. We ought, we really ought to invite him to take part. He really, really? wants to be invited. Yeah, yeah, seriously. He really wants to be invited to take part in this podcast. Why? And you could you could give him well, what, because you go, ha 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 twenty nineteen. Ha 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 twenty nineteen. No, 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 he's not. Ha ha we reported you for the pitch. Ha 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 No, he just he I think he genuinely wants to, you know, just just join in that bit of fun. He's well, alright, he's done. Once he's a confi- he's, once he's a confirmed Somerset paid up member, we'll be glad to have him on. 
Yeah, just have him on for a guest appearance for 10 minutes or something like that. Oh, when we'd be a lot of fun. I'd rather have Jacob in the morning. You can wind it. You can wind him up. Oh. As much as <laughs> anyway, his tweet was: "I've got to say that I've got a list of other counties commentators, with all due respect to Mr. Topley, who I would love to have on here with us for guest appearances. And let's just say Mr. Topley's probably in the relegation zone, as far as I'm concerned, because <laughs> Kevin, oh, Kevin James, oh. Mark Church, Jonathan Doidge would all I yep. think be absolutely brilliant." Dave Bracegirdle would be fun because he doesn't like us and whenever I say <laughs> something on Twitter it needles him but I love his commentary is just fabulous as well but I think yeah I think Don I think what we'll do is we'll get Don to go to one of Anthony's barbecues in the evening and then we'll get him on then that would be the thing to do <laughs> so just uh, just for uh, and if Lolof comes to Chris and my barbecue he can come on the podcast that evening oh absolutely so Don's tweet was after England's terrific win looking through the streams today aware that the comms are heavily biased towards the home team as its home production but please commentate yourselves less, less gushing towards home counties reckon as many away fans watching please at somerset ccc at surrey ticket the answer to that is to is to use the bbc commentary you know sync sync the bbc commentary with the pictures from the live stream and then you get balanced commentary absolutely and much better commentary as well and you can listen to what's going on and jump into the live stream if it's something you need to watch fantastic so anthony can you talk to us about battleground Battlefield. Battlefield, sorry. Battlefield. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> for those of you who I, I thought we'd each have a bottle for tasting on the show. Well, tonight, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, right. Here it is. Right, you remember that what happened the last time one of us opened a bottle of cider on this podcast? <laughs> it didn't go well, did it? No. I'll open this one. This is my bronze bronze award winning cider from the oh, British Cider Championship. At the Royal Bath and West Show. Well, it's not a sparkling cider. It's a um, it's a still cider. It's very good. Looks nice, sort of... nice, nice colour. Nice, and it's quite quite strong. But it got a bronze because the um, the expert judge Bob Chaplin said that the tannins in it were overpowering, overpowering. It was too cidery. It was too, it's too, too cidery. Too cidery. Uber <laughs> cider. Super cider. I think it's quite it's quite nice anyway. So it looks like what's sort of a medium dry type. Not not commercially available, but we all we all have a sort of get together at some stage for the uh, well, always look on the bright side of life podcast get together, and I'll bring some down for that. I mean, I Excellent. I, I, I surely thought that you would have bought some uh, up for me on Sunday, Anthony, but um, I was sorely disappointed. Do apologize. Well, you should Sorry about you that. should be sharing that delightful stuff you had when you were on holiday earlier in the year as well. I thought you should have brought some of that back. Oh, it. the Spanish stuff. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll bring some when we have a get together. I'll give some to uh, to Don. Um, <laughs> what else was I going to say? Oh, did uh, did Kevin Howells get Kevin Howells was up on the Thatcher's deck on Sunday morning. He was he wasn't happy about something. He was trying to plug something in with Spencer. Oh, and he was at three o'clock. He was up at three o'clock. He had a bad day. He was, yeah. Spencer was up there with him. Uh, Sarah Trunks was up there as well. They were trying to plug some little box in or something. I was Sarah sorted. Sarah Trunks sorted it out in the end, but it took her several hours. We only had one ISDN line. He needed to coordinate five lives um, coverage of all the county championship matches into TMS. Um, oh, but it was all done in the end. It was all good for Sarah and Spencer. Spencer. 
fixed our television this morning as well, which also wasn't working. And he and, he and Sarah put in a great shift there too. So I've got no complaints about that. Good stuff. Commentary position, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just ask something? I, I noticed and with great amusement that uh, Mark Church is such a good value because you know he's just... You could spend a day at the cricket with Mark, and, and even if it was Surrey Somerset, you'd have a great day because he's just, he loves cricket. But he gave Anthony the call sign Quantox because of their top gun sunglasses. <laughs> so I've just been sitting here trying to imagine what the call signs of the others on this podcast are. I think, yeah, oh, there we go. Look, there we go. I can almost hear the bell. Oh, the yeah, he was, in the he was talking about going in town and buying his aviators, wasn't he? He was... went into town. Te- he went into town one lunchtime and got his aviator sunglasses. But then he tweeted about it with a picture of him and Anthony wearing them. And then yeah. didn't use Anthony's call sign of Quantox, which I was grossly upset with. <laughs> so, what, what should we call Dan? I think Dan, Stato's too obvious. Oh, it's got to be something like numbers. Database or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Spreadsheet. <laughs> No, no. Let no. Let's go for let's go for the other side of Dan. What about the uh, the campaigner, the campaigning side of Dan? The yes. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, the activist. Activist. No, there's like a that. level above activist. Vigilante. Somewhere between activist and vigilante. No, vigilante's good. That's got a real. You can imagine him being a Top Gun, can't you, vigilante? <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Would be, he'd be, you'd be like Iceman, Dan. You'd be cold and calculating and strike at the crucial <laughs> Dear moment. Dear Mr. Hollins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told that uh, anyone was... Were, uh, were you Dan or, or you Ian? Were you at the members' get-together Q&A? With, no, no, that was Monday with, night. Uh, um, Hollins oh, on uh, Monday night. Oh, we've had some I gather it was a bit heated. I, was, I, I, I did pop out on Twitter. Uh, do forgive me, whoever replied. I didn't uh, thank you for your correspondence. Let me scroll down. Uh, yes, Twitter appears to have gone bonkers this evening. Oh, yeah, here we are. Andy Cleave replied, um, Nothing of note other than the usual items being brought up, neither hurry or current attendance, which was disappointing as couldn't ask any questions around creating massive performance. I raised with... Uh, GH asking if Hurry or Kerr could attend future sessions. Good luck with that, Andy. Mention that this, that this was the last weekend day of Championship Cricket, which he is no doubt aware of. Uh, and Tim replied, Not really, although I had to leave early to catch a train. Lots of complaints about behaviour, including reports of members being rude to staff. Um, and food, not nothing that I heard about team performance. So, No, it wasn't, a, wasn't to do with team performance. It was all about... Members feeling that they're not being uh, prioritised sufficiently and that the commercial department is running things at the county ground and uh, the the sort of club side of things is coming second to the business side of of things, which is, uh, from what I can pick up from talking to members around the ground, is very much the general mood at Taunton uh, at the moment. And I do think it's something that Gordon Hollins needs to address. And the members are feeling unloved at Somerset at, at the moment. And the other big issue, of course, is, is crowd behaviour. Yeah, goodness knows what it's going to be like on uh, on Friday evening when Gloucestershire are down there. And 
you know, the stewards, stewards do their best, but they're trying to be uh, unobtrusive in dealing with troublemakers. But the trouble with that is that a lot of troublemakers or, you know, people who are swearing and drinking and generally misbehaving aren't being dealt with at all. And it, in the Somerset stand in particular, I know from people who've, who've talked to me or tweeted me, it can be very, very unpleasant towards the end of a, a Friday night. T20 game at Taunton. That's not the sort of behaviour we want to see in uh, cricket matches. Well, me and Dad behaved uh, ourselves impeccably on Sunday. I'm sure you in did. the presence of our president elect. But I just wonder if if it's if it's a quarter of an hour before the game finishes, are you re- if you're a steward, are you really going to cause a scene, or are you just going to wait and you kick him out in ten minutes anyway? You know, it's a difficult one. I think it's, it's, the, it's the language as much as anything. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you're there with with you know your family. We don't want people effing and blinding and all the rest of it. It's just thoroughly unpleasant. There's nothing wrong with enthusiasm and excitement and, and supporting your team and all the rest of it, but just have a, a bit of thought for other yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. Players, uh, People standing up and swearing at players and, and that sort of thing yeah, exactly. is, is absolutely yeah. disgraceful. There's one particular person I'm aiming this at who remember it, what he did in the Knots game back in 2000 and whatever it was to Luke Fletcher if he's listening he knows what he's talking about and it's not me by the way it's one of my friends who is slightly inebriated and decide to uh, um, have a little go at Mr Fletcher which I'm sure would upset uh, the aforementioned Dave Bracegirdle immensely right what are we I think we talked about well I mean, the most important item on the agenda, um, Anthony's, uh, Anthony's uh, award-winning cider, which does not explode. Non-exploding cider is always going to be a bonus for me if I'm on the judging panel of, uh, of what was about the West Show. Anthony's frozen in this... Anthony's frozen in this lovely pose of him toasting with his, uh, his chalice of cider. <laughs> Oh, right. Um, should we do listeners' questions? I'm, this, this is an absolute. It's going to be an absolute minefield of trying to get through uh, get through these tonight with all the ways that people have been replying to each other and, and back and forth. So uh, let's start with. Well, if we start at the beginning, that's probably easiest. First question then from Tim Knight. As England have won two tests on the bounce, the ECB no longer have an excuse to meddle with the county championship, further reducing the number of Red Bull games. Discuss. <laughs> Yes, no need to franchise it anymore. England, England have won two tests in a row. I think it's a bit more complicated. Yeah. Too small a sample size, I think, as well. Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. They're very encouraging. We've played really well in these tests, haven't we? This, this yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's got more to do with Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes than the county cricket. You know, lost. What is interesting, though, was that when Stokes played against Worcester in the championship a few weeks back and absolutely mullered them, didn't he? It was just berserk on, I think it was the Friday morning from memory. And people piled in and were like, oh, this shows how, you know, certain person who used to play for England was, you know, another argument for franchise cricket because it shows how poor the standard is and whatever. But yet... Stokes and Bairstow did that to a very good New Zealand attack who were one bowler down I admit so that goes out the window but it's we were talking earlier about being stuck between this uber defensive supine passive mode and this all out attacking mode for our batters Mm. and let's be honest Bairstow and Stokes would have both gone very early I didn't watch it I was listening to you but I watched the highlights afterwards and 
you know, it's a very, very fine line. And they could have they mm. could have easily been all that for under a hundred playing that way. And it's great, and it's it is entertainment, and I love it. Exactly. And, you know, I don't it, want to it's stop entertainment. It it's entertainment, and you know, cricket is it's not an end in itself. It's, it exists in order to provide enjoyment for the people who watch it, as well as those who play it. And I thought that was you know, it's it's wonderful to see you know, positive cricket being being played. And I thought Somerset did that in the second innings against Surrey. You know, it was it was they were going out. And if you, I mean, Steve, you remember the golden age of Somerset cricket back in the nineteen eighties. Vivian Richards and Ian Botham, you know, they weren't leaving balls outside the off stump. They were smashing them through the covers or lifting them over the top of mid wicket. <laughs> I was going to say Vivian was whipping them through square leg all the time. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. You know, and, and we need to see you know some more attacking cricket from from Somerset. Not not going mad, but um, just players doing what they do naturally. Which and they are mostly attacking players, and let's you know, give them their head. And I hope that that and students does so. I look forward to our next podcast where we <laughs> where we absolutely tear the threads off them for playing too many attacking shots and getting out. No, I I, I wouldn't. I would never do that. It's a fine line. Well, I mean, I, it was great watching Johnny Bairstow um, yesterday smashing the Kiwis everywhere. But there is still a better than even chance that he'll be out for 16 off, 11 balls, bowled through the gate, having a massive drive at Tim Southey yeah. on, a, on a green top at Headingley. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. A um, couple of questions about young KC. Uh, what sort of ceiling does he have? Writes the sceptical cricketer. Not been too impressed thus far but seems highly rated over the backing in the two to the t20s martin paul uh, adds how quick is casey and does he have the capacity to add a yard or two as he gets older so is he 20 19 20 21 i think 21 now he's two years out of under 19s now yeah mm. bristol boy yeah i think yeah i mean he's, he's like a willow wand at the moment and he surely has the the um, potential to, to bowl faster as he as he fills out, and he's got really nice action, and he's, he's got a good attitude as well. So yes, I, I he is. Funny enough, he I tipped him last his... season as my uh, Somerset newcomer, and he didn't really do anything last season. But this season, he's um, I think he's growing he in played through, played with injuries last season, which yeah. you know. Sonny Baker, Ned Leonard, they've all had the same, but he's in that cohort. Let's not forget Ned and Sonny either. All dead letters. I think he is I think he is the genuine all rounder that Lewis Gregory is. That you could I can see a world in a couple of years' time where you would pick Casey as a batter or a bowler, which is the, the true test of an all rounder. He's assumed a lot of responsibility in the two this year. He's opened in championship games and he seems to have been bringing on the youngsters from what I've heard and what Mike Unwin's been saying when he's been at some of those games. So I think he's got a very good head on his shoulder. I think it's just a case of let's not, you know, he should be bowling the last over on Friday night. He should be in the side all the time. Let's let Kerbs develop him as he needs to. For me, the key for him is the Royal London. He needs to play every game fitness permitting in the Royal London and let's see how he is at the end oh, of that. Oh, you know he's going to be signed. He's going to have one good blast game and then be signed as a, signed as a wild card for the bloody... I don't think they'll skips. pick him in the blast. I don't think they'll pick him in the blast. 
Sonny Baker was yeah. picked off an entire oh, Royal London one day. Oh, the Royal right London, yeah, but you could, you could, you could, you could just see it happening. You could see it happening, though. He has a couple of good Royal London one day games. Some Somebody loses a bowler. It's what happened to Sonny. Let's be, let's be honest about it, isn't it? It could quite easily happen. Hmm. There are lots of other bowlers around, though. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know, but the, the, the ECB conspiracy theory, what are we up to now? 7,844? <laughs> <laughs> Ruin Casey Aldridge by him sit on his backside in the 100. Uh, Stuart Hodgkiss, uh, what are you hearing about Gregory's fitness uh, at the Sussex game of the week? Seems so most of the innings off the field. Seems underused again in this game. Also, see, great to see Sonny on the field today. Is he back to fitness and ready to play in the Royal London? Um... See my interview with him on on the uh, Somerset website. I asked him that question. He says he's hundred percent fit. Absolutely. And so why isn't he bowling at the death in T Twenty? I can't get my head around it. And also, like, as, so as well today, I thought he should have bowled more when that game was coming to a conclusion today. You know, Casey Aldridge is still only twenty one. It's still only his third championship game. It's the first game in which he's taken a bloody wicket. For goodness sakes. Well, he was. He was. Casey was taking wickets. He was bowling really, really well. He re- and 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 Lewis, you know, he's, but he bowls that full of length to to you know get it to swing, which does mean that he gets carved away through the offside quite often. I, t- I didn't. I wasn't worried about. Um, I, I was worried when he didn't bowl. His he only bowled two overs against Kent, I think, wasn't it? Um, and he should really have bowled at the death again against Kent. But I think that was, you know, that was down to Tom Abler. I genuinely don't think he's got any real fish, fitness issues. His, you know, his back seems all right. Maybe it's just me looking for crumbs of things that could have changed it. I don't know. And when he has been bowling, he's, you know, he's he, he's lost a little bit of pace, but not much. And he's still a very artful, fast, medium pace bowler. He'll lose the ball, you know, in the air and off the pitch. He's, his his time will come, Lewis. He hasn't had much luck this season, but he, he's going to take a five for sooner rather than later. I think. Oh no, he's had any luck this year. Um, Robert Blackwell, do you think Craig and Josh will work up for Friday? We know they are. Uh, he will play Casey uh, in the T twenties. Um, oh. I think there's probably there's probably a couple ahead of him, but have, have we pulled Jack Brooks back from that loan now? Not that no. I know. Yes, I know. We've got Brooks available for the T20s going forward. It's only a championship loan, isn't it? It's just yeah. Uh, so okay. there's a championship round coming up, which Brooks will play in, but we're not playing in that round anyway, so he won't miss anything else for us. Yeah, because we don't play the next round of games that starts on the uh, on the twenty sixth, eleventh of July. Eleventh yeah. of July is our next championship game. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we missed. We missed Yeah, it's our turn to have a rest this week. Uh, David Wyatt is worried about relegation, as are we all. I think. I think we've covered that. Yeah, well, we've already. discussed that. We don't know there's going to be relegation, but just in just in case they base the new system on what happens next year rather than this year we need to stay in the first division and uh, there's a notification here from Lee Hooper that just says like Byram Dan how did you feel Eddie Byram career best was it career best this week 176 yeah I know I haven't seen any of it I've just oh come on of course you that's why you were watching Somerset (laughs) no I've not as much for any Byram fan as you make out well Um, yeah that's, that's what the world's biggest Eddie Byram fan would say um, um, but yeah, no, I mean, great to see. I know we had a um, 
I know he had a good relationship with Matt Maynard at Somerset, and that's obviously why he's, you know, that's partly why he's gone to Glamorgan, I think. Um, and he's obviously kicked on a bit so far. I mean, you've got to remember, it's in Division Dip 2 through, against yeah. a Sussex attack, which is not one of the best in the country. So, yeah, he's, he's, you know, this, this will be a break for him, a real breakthrough. But, um, you know, we can't... I wish I'd made 176 <laughs> for, for a county in the second division once in my career. That would have been quite good, I tell you. Yeah, it would have been nice. But just as a general point, is just another one that we've kind of spent three or four years... No, 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 he had... No. He had loads of chances. No, no that's what, yeah, but that's the point I'm making. It's one we spent. It's a lovely lad, and I'm absolutely delighted that he's getting, you know, doing yeah. he's doing well at De Morgan. But he was not a Division One County Championship opening batsman, yeah. and he proved that on any number of occasions. What was his high school before the um, the um, Bob Willis final at Lords when he got a hundred forty five? I think it was. There's more than that. Yeah, yeah, sixty. They had a 60 and a 50, I think. I think he had a 60 well, and a 50. Well, it's universally, universally true that players always get better when they leave your club and go somewhere else, whoever they are, whatever sport it's in. So, good good luck to the guy. You know, it's like Absolutely. I was delighted that Don Best looked like he was going to bowl Yorkshire to a win today. And I'm actually pleased for Jamie Overton because I'd love nothing more than to see him play for England this season. Um, yeah. And when Anthony said, you know, Joss Butler, if Joss Butler ever comes back to Somerset, that would be one of the happiest days of my life. And I think that's that's the thing. You've got to, you know, you covered other counties' good players, of course you do, but you've got to accept that players will move on. And if it furthers their career and betters them, they've got such a short career at this highest level, good luck to them, you know. And the same for Eddie. I hope he goes and makes 176 every week, as long as it's not against us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope we don't end up playing it. Playing yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was meaning. I yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sam Batley, does Abel need to give up captaincy to have any chance of fulfilling his batting potential and playing? No, no, no. We no. just need to score more hundreds. <laughs> um, Andy Cleave wants us to sign Ricardo Vasconcelos. No, no, no. Yeah, we're well, well, we're to sign him. Well, we're the to sign him. Apparently, according to Matt Roller on Quick Info. And actually, I had a look at his record. Um, so, in first-class cricket, he's averaging 35 this season. He averaged 37 last season. 35? Yeah, I, yeah, I would wow. take that. That's Batman great. Batman can average 35 in cricket. He's played most of his cricket in the second division. And he has. he's a second division cricketer. He's young, though. He, he's meant to be talented. You know, he's... he's uh, what, I've seen him a few times. He hasn't. He hasn't. You know. We'll get all of him and whip him into shape like we do with all these other batsmen. Gibbo, don't you worry about that. Well, we, you know, He's averaging thirty-five. We'll average. We'll have him averaging seventeen and a half. Just give us a couple of on, uh, seasons. Unless there's a really outstanding player to be brought in, you know, a solid top order bat batsman. Let's just have our faith in our own youngsters coming yeah. through the system. Yeah. Yeah, um, speaking of which, I had a, um, so Ollie Slack DM'd me a slightly longer question, which I can read out, it's on that sort of subject. Um, so he says, thoughts on our domestic recruitment over recent years? I think our last domestic signing was Davis in 2017, and both he and Hildreth, our two most experienced batters, are struggling. We could throw Rural raw Smeed into the 11, but we've already got a young team. It looks as if the younger players need more experience around them and a calming influence mm -hmm. out in the middle to guide them through tricky patches to avoid losing wickets and clusters. 
experienced players like Northeastern Gubbins have moved about a bit over recent years, and they seem just the type of player we need. Was he our last domestic signing? Uh, no, Stephen Davis. Well, Jack, Stephen Davis. Jack Brooks was 2018. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Jack Brooks is more recent than Stephen Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He might mean last domestic batter, I suppose. I think yeah. Davis might yeah. be the last uh, last batter. Yeah. That, Dan, that's what I was saying earlier about Lewis Goldsworth. You know, if you bring him into the side at five with Hildreth and Davis either side in form, that's a completely different thing. But I, I think Anthony and Ian's point. We are at that point now where. Personally, much as I love Steve Davis, I wouldn't bat an eyelid if James Drew's given a run in the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Casey Aldridge, provided he's properly managed. I, we're at a point now where I'm, I'm, we're showing some fight, but maybe we give these youngsters a chance. Because if we do actually have a good second half of the season, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, it could be the making of several of these players. Mm. And, you know, Bob Open, no hope at the moment. Right, I'm going to love you and leave you. I think is that all right? What, Anthony? You've only talked about cricket for about 14 hours today. Come on! (laughs) If he had a barbecue, he could fire up. Go and have a rest. Have a well-deserved rest, Gibbo. Yeah, you've done your counter. See you next week. Cheers, cheers, Gibbo. Poor Anthony. Four days on the trot, and then he's got to deal with us muppets. Right. He must enjoy it because he keeps coming on after oh, 14 yeah. days in the couple, 14 hours <laughs> yeah, in the country true. box with Mark Church. So. Oh, yeah. Bless him. We love you, Gibber. Right. Uh, Andy Zhang, in our remaining fixtures, how often do you think Hildreth will be selected? Mm. Mm. Well, I think the answer to that, Andy, is did he genuinely feel unwell on Sunday? So it's not really an answer. It's another question. I sound like a bloody politician now. But I don't that, know. to me, was... That, to me, was an interesting development, let's say. And for me, Goldsworthy keeps his place now. He's earned it. He's earned, it, he's earned another yeah. go. The question is, probably Banton would be the most likely to drop out for Hildreth to come back in now. Or maybe we give the gloves to Banton and Davis drops out, which I think is probably unlikely. But I would keep Banton I, in, personally. Yeah, mm. I would. Because Anthony said he thought on yesterday it's the best he'd seen in bat and he looked organised. I, th- I think it would be a really bad thing psychologically to do to Banton that, you know, he's got bags of talent, he's developing, and I think he will be a very good Red Bull player in the fullness of time. Just needs to look less twitchy for me. He just look, he's he's very fidgety mm-hmm. in the crease. He, he doesn't look like a like a man with a lot of uh, a lot of serenity about him. He just he just seems to be constantly hopping, fidgeting. Yeah, Derek Randall made a career out of that. Yeah, you know that, that's true, just the nature of the players. And, yeah, oh, you know, know Rory Burns. Rory Burns in the, the ten seconds until the bowler releases the ball looks like someone you'd see bowl at on the village game. You think I'll oh, get this bloke out, and then it all comes together, and he looks, you know, he looks yeah, really he good. Of, I, I, he kind of doesn't. He doesn't sort of play the shot and, and kind of just gracefully just relax, hold the pose. He, he kind of just plays it, and then he's fidgeting and he's poking the bat everywhere yeah. and he's walking around yeah. just need just beta blockers just shh, calm it down just you know. I think I think the big call the big call part to answer Andy's question is if James Rue does get the opportunity you've got to then give James Rue a run in the side and whilst I, I have been critical of and worry about what's going on in the dressing room I think the one good thing is you know the players that have been brought in this season have been given a run Lamb and B 
obviously he's brought in, but he's been he's been he's clearly being told you're going to open the batting this season and get on with it. Banton's clearly being told number four spot shows get on with it, and I like that. And I hope, as Dan said, that Goldsworthy's so right. Number five is yours now. Mm-hmm. What worries me is if you have a four, five, six of Banton, Goldsworthy, and Rue, that is that's no detriment to their individual abilities, but that is a huge baptism of fire with. Yeah, Lewis Gregory coming in at seven. Uh, what you you could yeah. put Lewis up a couple of spots, so he bats in between them. He's good enough too. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or even Josh Davy, who I was very impressed with when I was commentating on the live stream on uh, on whatever day that was Sunday. Yeah, I thought he batted really well Sunday. He until he got sconed by by Jamie. He looked organised. He looked compact. He didn't really do anything stupid. Played. A, Lovely couple of flicks off his legs, so yeah, get Josh up the order as well. As you say, what have you got to lose? I think I think the summary of it all is we need the potential to turn into results now. That's well, I, I doubt if there is a county in the country that has got a better pool of young talent in that eighteen to twenty-two age range coming through. But you know, when you are up against Dan Worrell and you know Luke Fletcher and. Steve Mullaney and whoever, those players who you know have got bags of cricketing savvy, it's a very steep learning curve. And that's where Hildreth has got that and Davis has got that. But, you know, if time comes that you're at the end of a career and, you know, there's one thing none of us can defeat is time, what can we do about it? You, you hand is sort of forced. It certainly is. I'm sure there's a few more questions in there, but with all the replies in that, it's going to be like finding a needle in a haystack trying to trying to dig those out. Andy Cleaver just put the last one in. His team here for uh, the West Country sided RB is Smee, Banton, Russo, Abel, Lambie, Gregory, Vandermeer, Green, Aldridge, Siddle, and Brooks. There we go. So we'll see if that matches up with what Messrs Kerr and Hurry determine on Friday night. We got a game before that, haven't we? No, no. Tomorrow's Thursday. We Tomorrow's Thursday. Oh, I'm getting totally confused now. Just so much cricket, so much work, the test match, all this going on. It's mad. Yeah. No cricket tomorrow, and then the side of Derby on Friday. Best of luck to Tom Abel and the boys. Uh, I'm sure Anthony Gibson is having a, a, a very well-earned lie down at the minute, possibly with a glass of He's his... He's got the bottle. rest of that bottle of his prize-winning... Yeah, you can't leave, field, you can't leave proper cider open for too long. It'll... Uh, It'll go off, so I'm sure he's he's probably halfway through that now. Um, any other business, guys? No, not from me, thank you. Good stuff. Right, well, uh, I probably won't see you at uh, a weekend game of Championship Cricket now until uh, April 2023, but uh, still planning to make the trip to uh, Southport for maybe a day or two if uh, if work allows. I'm sure you, you both are as well. Day one, I will be oh, away. You're away. Right. I, I said to you, I've, we've oh, planned, you did. It, we've yeah, planned course, it really yeah. badly. Yeah, I'm away. Yeah, just the most dreadful organisation, I tell you, but never mind. It's almost like the fixture list came out far too late for you to uh, <laughs> plan yeah, your holiday. Anyway, did, yeah, yeah. I think that's ECB conspiracy theory number 7852, cock up Steve's holidays. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, oh, All right, guys. It's been a, oh, we'll work out when we catch up with you next. Uh, I'll send you an email, let you know when, uh, when we'll be uh, catching up next. But for, uh, yeah, for. Right. Good to have you back, Dan. Yep, cheers. Yeah. Nice to see you again, Dan. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch up with you all next time. Ta-ra. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Cheers, guys.